On today's Locked On Mavs, Locked On Jazz crossover, what happened in game five? And why does everybody think the series is over? Talk about that and more on today's Locked On Mavs, Locked On Jazz. Oh, oh, oh. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks and the Utah Jazz. My name is Nick Angstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Mavs and Jazz your first listen every day, or at least one of them. Remember, they're both available and free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where you can subscribe to the show. And the best way to help us out is to comment anything below. Just comment. Leave a comment. I appreciate all the ones that uh, have gone over to Locked On Jazz and have left comments, uh, especially those that have just have, have followed our instructions and have not been mean. Uh, joining me today, the head honcho, my boss, <laughs> the host of Locked On Jazz, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. What you got for me, David Locke? I want to congratulate you guys for winning the series. I mean, I think it's so <laughs> great that if you hold home court after five games that the series is completely over. I mean, congr- are you worried? Like, how do you think Mikel Bridges, after his dominating performance, beating New Orleans? I mean, clearly, Phoenix has now won that series, too. Yeah, Phoenix so, is right. Mavs so, Phoenix in round two already. Like how let's does just, Mikel Bridges up. match up against Luka Doncic? Is that, what, is that what we're talking about? I will say that, Isaac, and I did have a conversation last night. Who who does Mikael Bridges guard? Would it be Luka or would it be Brunson? And what would they decide to do? But it was not on the podcast. So, But it does seem like everybody has just called this series as over. I mean, you even on your show... You kind of had like a funeral for your team in a way. It does it does feel amongst Jazz fans that you're heading to a funeral on Thursday. Um, I think going down by 33 makes you feel that way. I do think Donovan was in a sense accurate that like they held home court. Like what's now 82% of teams that win uh, game five uh, go on to win. But if you actually look at four or five series, it's about, I think it's about 55, 45 or 60, 40. It's, it's, hey, you want a game? It's important. Um, but certainly if, um, you know, if the Mavericks lose game six and the Jazz win game six, then then I think, you know, we'll, we'll go to game seven wondering what happens. What's the update on Donovan Mitchell? We had, he had the hamstring injury walking out of game five. That didn't look particularly good. Then Mark Stein said something else about the, the traps or something else was going on with him. What's the injury report on Mitchell? So it's um, – I think the story on it is that the hamstring seems to be okay. Um, he did have a as, thigh. As most, con- as most hamstrings are, they're just like fine. You know, you, you pull yeah. it and then it's just okay. It's like- <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I think my guess is he does have a thigh contusion that he got at, during in the series at some point in time. That seems to be, and so. Did he feel something in his leg? Yes. Is the fear it's a hamstring? Yes. Was it actually maybe something other, you know, like, is there something wrong with his leg? Yes, probably at this point of a series. He talked with the media today. He said he'll be ready to go. So I think, um, you know, he's got bruises on both legs. I would guess that most NBA players who are guards read that they have bruises on both legs and are like, yeah, no crap. And And anyone who ever played against John Stockton. Uh, will tell you that they have bruises bruises on both legs after he stuck his knee into you on a thigh, <laughs> your thigh setting a pick, right? So uh, Donovan is expected to go. Um, you know, he's just had no luck against Dorian Finney-Smith in this series, though. So until he has, you know, until he's able to put a stamp on it, but he is the one player on the Jazz roster who can probably have a superstar game. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if the Jazz have, have that in them. 
Um, and with Finney Smith being 14, Donovan's 14 of 48 when guarded by Finney Smith in the series. Uh, and it wasn't much better before the series started. So it's going to be awfully hard for Donovan to have a superstar game, but the Jazz need him to probably go drop. They're, if the Jazz are going to win the series, they're going to win it one night by actually shooting it well. Yeah, at least. Or, or the other side, which is the Mavericks do what the Jazz just did, right? Like the Mavericks have had a good shooting night. The Jazz have had a good shooting night. The Jazz have had a bad shooting night. The Mavericks really haven't had the dreadful shooting night yet. They, I mean, last game five, they did not shoot well from three. I mean, if we're if we're just talking about shooting well from from the outside, they didn't. But I was getting more geeky off of the second spectrum QSQ performance crap that mm -hmm. you know nerds like me here. Let me put on my glasses. <laughs> there <you> go. <laughs> Nerd alert. Um, Those are not shady rays, by the way. I was, <laughs> I was gonna say Isaac did finally get his shady rays. I know that was a big topic of conversation on our last crossover. I was gonna so excited because I was gonna tell Isaac that I had been to the Built Bar. Um, I went to the Built Bar factory today. The Built Bar factory? Yeah, the real like where I what saw Built Bar. What does it smell like? Chocolate. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good place to be. Yeah, it smelled like chocolate. Hundred percent real chocolate. Hundred percent really delicious. Straight up. What do you think? Um, what do you think Dorian has done well against Donovan Mitchell? Why has it been because Donovan Mitchell has just he's scored points in this series, but he has not been efficient at all in, in his scoring. What does what does Dorian do well against Mitchell? So I mean if we just go to the season, Dorian I think was the ninth best isolation defender in the NBA. And then if you consider the fact that on I think according to B ball index, Dorian's number one or two in the league in guarding the number one option on the he other team. It, he does it the most, yeah. Right. I think he does it the most of anyone in the league. So, okay, so that's actually way better than ninth in the league, right? You know, like you can be the number one isolation defender. Oh, yeah, in the, the league, volume. If you're, if you're guarding Isaac Harris the whole time, <laughs> it's it's not that hard. Like you're you're going to – come on, if you can't make the show, you get slandered. Um, that's true, right? <laughs> right, like come on, that's not going to be the last shot. Um, so, like being ninth in the league in isolation defense, I, I, I would assume he's one or two. Like I, I, if you're really judging the – and then he's, you know, he's just really long. Donovan's six one, um, so he's long. There's a, as Jason Kidd said in a press conference, there's a want to, and and I think he moves he moves his feet well. Um, he does seem to, and I'd be really curious. I haven't looked at this number. What I'd be curious to know the number on what three point shooters shoot when he when Dorian's the closest defender, because he seems to close out particularly well. Like there's a mm, three yeah. in the in the second quarter in which I, I'm like convinced Boyan's wide open. He sidesteps to avoid Dorian flying by. I know exactly Grant the play. Yep. Says on the broadcast, like, oh, well, he had to avoid the closeout. Like, I've seen that play, whatever, 100 times. Bogey just usually shoots it. And at 6'8", Bogey's shooting window is super high. So he must close out particularly well also. He does, and it, it stands out when other players like like Spencer Dinwiddie or somebody else closes out because they just blow by guys, and all of a sudden, then it becomes you know a wide open three is not wide open after they you know when they're running through the close, and then they like it's almost like they run through first base, right? <laughs> and then they're off, and then all of a sudden it's a wide open three again. Dorian doesn't do that, right? He's able to to stop himself at least a little bit. He's able to at least he jumps to a point where he can contest it possibly again. It's he does do a, a good job at that, the timing and. Part of it's got to be scheme, right? To know how long it takes for somebody to, to, you know, to load up to be able to to get their shot off. Uh, Dorian's done an incredible job. I'm excited to see what he does in the rest of this, uh, in the rest of the series. Well, I'm, you know, I mean, I know you play Phoenix on on Saturday. So. 
We're getting ready. Getting ready. I'm hoping the Pelicans make one. Just just get one more win out of it. Give us a game seven in that series. That'd be fun. We'll see. We'll see. Um, big question that I have on this series. And Isaac and I, even after was a game three, we did um, we did a whole podcast on this. Why has Quinn Snyder not gone smaller more? Why have we not seen that with the Paschal, you know, at, at five, the not having, you know, one of Gobert and Whiteside out there, the going small, I thought it it helped Donovan Mitchell. That's like the one time this season, this series, that he's been really efficient. Why has he not gone to that look more? So it do, it should help offensively, right? Like that's it should create space and help offensively. Um, di- during the regular season, it um, it really impacted them. Actually, they weren't good either offensively or defensively during the regular season. I mean, really, really bad. Playing playing small. Playing small, like third percentile offensively, second percentile defensively. So there, I think there's no confidence in it. Mm. Um, you know, if you look at the wins, the offensive rebounding was really, really vital in both the wins. Um, when you know, and now Memphis proved that you could offensive rebound with Brandon Clark as their center. I don't <laughs> think Eric Pascal can do that same same thing. Um, so you give up a lot to it offensively. You do open up some space. Maybe they'll do it again, um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that you really gain enough. And the second stint of it wasn't very good the other day. It was good for that little run, but then when the second stint, it wasn't nearly as good. And the, the, the one big problem was Luca came back, right? They did it when Luca was out. And then if Luca comes back, all of a sudden, like you go small with Pascal at the five and Luca is bigger than him. Right? Like he's right. just a, a huge individual handling the ball. And he takes that. He, every time he gets matched up one-on-one with Pascal, you know, he just takes it personally. Oh, don't throw this guy at me. Don't throw like this guy. I'm going to be able to score on him every time. Now he hasn't, but uh, yeah, that, that looked to me at least, especially in game five, when just nothing was going well offensively, I was surprised they didn't go to it at least a little bit more. And Whiteside was, was not great in that game at all to at least yeah. try that look once or twice, even in like a couple minute stints. Yeah, I, I mean, there's some probably some validity to it. I, I'm going off the track record that if it had worked a little bit during the regular season, it would feel better. The other yeah. one I think is I'm the reason I'm not sure it works long term and why I think it worked for a little while, not long term. Well, that's a tease. So we do that as a tease. Coming up. Coming up. <laughs> why long term it might have a problem as we let Nick Angstead play Jason Kidd, but not a doctor, coming up on Locked On Mavericks and Locked On Jazz. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. But before we do that, let me tell you about Bet Online. It's the best place to check out all the live odds and stats and info and everything you need for all these series right now. The Dallas Mavericks are minus 600 favorite against the the uh, the Utah Jazz. Jazz are a plus 460. So even Vegas doesn't think that this is completely over, right? Because if you look at the Warriors, they play they play this game tonight. Before you, you guys have already know what happens with that game, but the Warriors are up three one and they are a minus 15,000 favorite. That's when Vegas thinks the series is over. So you mean like when the when the Bucks were minus 20,000 going into tonight's game? 
They're, yeah, they're also they're also minus 20,000 going into that game for the series, by the way, not even just for the specific game. So if you want to check out that, go check out all kinds of NFL draft stuff. They have NFL draft props. They have specific team props. They have game props for these individual games, NBA specials you can look at, uh, college, MMA. They have all kinds of different sporting events. Kyrie Irving's next team, the Dallas Mavericks, were third on that list, plus 300. That one is that one's oh. wild and got the response of a lot of Mavs fans on, on Twitter you know, about the that. Interesting one. one on the bet online odds is I believe the Jazz were like a five point favorite at home for Game Three. They're now only a one point favorite, and if I remember correctly, the Jazz were a favorite in Game One. Yeah, and then by the time obviously Luca was playing by them, but by then we ended up being a uh, uh, underdog for the second one. So Luca's value seems to be about four or five points, mm, which is pretty big. Go check it out. Bet online. Download the app. All that stuff. When bet online, where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Mavs and Locked On Jazz your first listen today. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NBA game, MLB, NHL, with an analysis from your local experts. Free and available wherever you get your podcast and on Locked On NBA on YouTube. All right, David Locke, pay off the tease. <laughs> so let's say the Jazz go small. Yeah. Who's the five on the floor? For the Mavericks or the Jazz? The Jazz. Pascal or Rudy Gay. They tried Rudy Gay in that last game of the regular season, but he has not okay. Let's played Let's go Pascal. So who are the other four? Then you have Bogey. Okay. Either O'Neal or House. Okay. Some people some people want O'Neal to be done from the Jazz I've seen in comments. And then it's you throw out House in there or throw out Clarkson. The, other, the guards would be yep. Clarkson, Mitchell, or... Yeah. All right. So five out works particularly well when you have five shooters on the floor. Mm. Let's assume that it's Donovan, Conley, Clarkson, O'Neal, Bogey, Pascal. Which guy's... If the Jazz got an – which guys are you hugging the three-point line on? Bogdanovich a little bit. Clarkson, you just hug everyone on the court because he's the only guy that's able to hit tough shots against them. And then everybody else you just kind of let. I mean, they've really let Pascal just stand alone in the corner. He's been the the Josh Green, right, if you want to if you want to say that. like They have just completely left him alone in corners and been like, all right, go ahead, take the shot. We don't care. Right. So that takes away – a lot of the positives to what now Pascal shot it all right during the season. I don't want to diminish that, but I mean, so did Josh Green. He shot thirty six percent from the field. Nobody from, really from believes three. he's a natural three point shooter. So one of the things that gets tough there is Pascal did shoot thirty seven percent, but I don't think anyone's really buying it. And Royce O'Neal, they've been really willing to leave wide open. And Daniel House is a thirty five percent three point shooter. Donovan definitely has more driving lanes. Mike definitely would have more driving lanes, and probably you see something of the sort. But it's not the end all the way it's being talked about because the reason it doesn't work long term is Dallas reacts and says, okay, you hug, you know, Maxi Kleba, go get in the middle of the lane the same way the Jazz do with Rudy Gobert and cut off the driving lanes and make Pascal shoot the three. Like they're going to do the same defense the Jazz are doing. And so, you know, you have to decide that you're willing to run an offense where Daniel House, Royce O'Neill, or Eric Pascal is taking your threes. Yeah, it it I thought it would be at least a jump start thing. Quinn doesn't seem to to want to go small at all. Um and so it'd be interesting to see if they try it at least when if they get desperate in one of these games if the offense doesn't doesn't work, but 
according to what you're saying, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen a lot. Do you have any concern at all? Are you carefree and happy and just no worries at all that the Mavericks are winning this series? I have way less worries than I did now that they have two shots at it and one of them is at home. But I'm still waiting for the Donovan Mitchell game. But Donovan Mitchell's injury, I think, if that's going to be anything, if that injury is anything, then... I'm not worried about it. if he's limited at all, then I'm, I'm not worried because that, that's the only thing. That's the only card left. That's the only real card left is a really, really good Donovan Mitchell game. And it, we just haven't seen it and just haven't had it yet. What about just a really good shooting game? I think they've so I think they've run them off the three point line enough. Like the, the, the Jazz haven't taken more than 35 threes in a game yet. I mean, they averaged 40 threes a game. That's been a huge thing for the Mavs. Just run them off the three point line. Don't let them take them. Let Clarkson take all his you know, mid range stuff. Let Conley take his floaters. Let Mitchell get kind of to the rim. They've just really run them off the line. They, they have like the Jazz haven't had a 45 three point attempt night so that it would hurt them and like the, it would hurt the Mavs enough if they got really hot. So the Jazz are 13 of their last 70 for three. That's no, not a good number, 13, right? <laughs> 13 of their last 65. So if they just regress to the mean of being a 35% three-point shooting team, they would go like 20 of 30. To, to regress all the way back, right? Yeah, in one night. In one night. That, that takes me to, to game five. I wanted to ask you about the game five offense because the Jazz score 77 points. I mean, this was the number one offense in the NBA. They score 77 points. And we got on. We praised the Mavs defense, the, the, the show after that. And I heard a bunch of people and a bunch of Mavs fans even be like, well, they just missed a bunch of open shots. Their shot quality was, was pretty good. They missed a ton of open shots. If you were to give it a percentage in that game, game five, you know, what percentage of it was good Mavs defense? What percentage of it was Jazz just missing open shots? Because if those shots are going to stay open, if the game plan stays the same way, then a really hot three-point shooting night could give the Jazz another win in this. So I don't know if you recall, but I think in our crossover, I said that I thought one of the bigger factors was going to be fatigue. Yeah, right. We were suddenly playing three games in five nights. I actually think you even referenced it on Lockdown Mavericks. I, I think fatigue hit and it just hit Utah. And I think there's a there's a little bit of a something going on here where if you actually were just to say, like, who's more athletic, Reggie Bullock, Royce O'Neal? Uh, Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock. One was a first-round draft pick. One was undrafted for a reason. Dorian Finney-Smith, like, versus – like, I think the Mavericks no. are more athletic <laughs> at each position – and so I think maybe there's something where the Jazz just had to exert so much juice to win game four because they're just not quite as athletic as um, as they would have been otherwise. And so I think that that, um, you know, that caused them a problem. And so you would say that it was more on the Jazz just missing shots or on the Mavs defense? The Jazz shot quality was the exact same in game five that it was in game three and game four. Mm. Exact same. Um, it was just an all-time cold night. Just, just one of the. Was, well, it was one of the nine worst shooting nights in the NBA playoffs in the last six years. It's <laughs> pretty bad. Um, so I. Um, um, so I, you know, I, I don't want to just. I mean, like. What, the Mavericks were the third best team in the league at denying the above the break three and the fifth best team at defending it, or vice versa, dyslexia never killed. It just confuses. But I think that those are it doesn't really matter. I mean, so Both the are Mavs good have been super good at defending that shot. They're the fifth best team 
They are the fifth best team at denying the third best team at defending the above the break three. That's generally thought of as luck, but there's like the fifth best at denying, I think is a super important number. Um, so I think in some level, I would say, you know, I don't want to dismiss Dallas's credit, but I also might say if the Jazz suddenly went 17 of 30, I wouldn't like blame the Mavericks either, if that makes sense. Oh, so now, now you don't, now you want to make sure you give the Mavs credit. You want to, you don't want to discount the Mavericks now. Now that it's three two, whereas before it was like, well, wait for Luca's defense to show up, and then it won't matter because Luca can get hunted. And now it's different. Luca's defense in game three four was advantageous to the Jazz. Well, the game he comes right back from injury, and yeah, sure. Um, I'm not sure. I thought Luca's defense was. Elite in game five. Like, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if anyone's making that case. Right. I mean, truly, like, if you go, like, the key stretch of the game, okay, here are the yeah. five key misses to me of the game. Mm. Fast break, Jordan Clarkson brings it up, swings to Donovan Mitchell, wide open left side corner, three misses. Early offense, next possession, Donovan over the head, skip pass, Boyan Bogdanovich, far side, wide open, three point misses. Next, old man glasses. Next possession. Here, I'll, I'll join you with my blue light blocker. Um, next possession. Jazz run a nice play. Flip <laughs> it back out. This is the play we were talking about where Bogey pump fakes, takes a step to his left. Finney Smith flies by. Little of each, right? Let's give some credit. Yeah. Next play. Jazz run a nice action. They get good ball movement. Luca drops in the middle lane. Royce O'Neal's wide open top of the circle. Misses. Next possession, Jazz push ahead. Luca's being totally lazy. Fine, he just banked in like a ridiculous shot on the left side and is admiring himself for it. And he should be because he was freaking <laughs> great. And he's smiling and giggling and he's not admiring the complaining himself. Luca. He's the guy that I like love to watch because he has such a great time playing the game. And he banks it in off the wrong foot and then it's like laughing going back and only got a guard Royce O'Neal, so he decides not to do it. Royce <laughs> misses a right corner three. As one does. So those are those are five misses where the game went from eight to twenty. They weren't getting a lot of stops. Give Dallas credit. Maybe one of those is defense. So, again, the same way, like if four of the five of those went in, I wouldn't go be blaming Dallas's defense for suddenly being bad at guarding threes. Coming up, I'm going to tell you why the Dallas Mavericks worked through. That issue that the Jazz just went through that David Locke just laid out, worked through at the beginning of the year, and why it's the reason why they're winning the series right now. We'll talk about that and more coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models of cars, there's just so many different types of cars. There's You look outside and you play the game like red car, blue car. They're all just different types of cars. How could you possibly have all the parts for all those cars everywhere at one store, a physical location? You can't, but Rock Auto does. They have them, and they'll ship them straight to your house. You can put them on. Don't have to worry about the maintenance. Uh, I saw a TikTok the other day that sh- that showed somebody taking their car to an auto body mechanic, and then like they they were rude to the person behind the counter, and so the person behind the counter went and grabbed like a drill and put like 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 lubricant around the 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 drill bit, put it into their oil like like can holder. And just like went to town on it, basically. And it stripped it so much so that they couldn't get it out. If you want to avoid all that, rockauto.com has it for you. You can go get those parts. You Why can get was that, that on TikTok? Just because everything's on TikTok and it's so random. You just never know what you're going to see. The video was, it was somebody that showed that person doing that video. And then it was the a couple, they scrolled a couple. And then it was like, look what someone just did to my car. It was like the, the same person. Like it was the same car from a different 
point of view. Anyway, rockauto.com. Rock Auto, not t- TikTok. There's the lesson. <laughs> yeah, go to Rock Auto. Get your parts. Put them on yourself. You know what's going to happen. You know who's handling your car when it's you. RockAuto.com has you covered for all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? They know that we sent you. It's amazing selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, David Locke. So you're talking about Game 5, those five key shots in Game 5 that caused the Jazz. They missed all those shots, and then they caused them to go down a a rabbit trail of, of despair, basically. This was a massive talking point for Jason Kidd earlier in the year when the Mavericks would miss all these threes and then they would hang their heads on the other end and they would go down to the other end. They wouldn't defend up to their level and then they would just get beat in some of these games where they wouldn't hit threes. And Jason Kidd kept saying, we can't do this. He said it in the media maybe four or five times. It was almost like this two-week stretch where this was his big thing that he was trying to push the team. We got to be resilient. We got to we got to fight more. We can't just, you know, be only hoping that our threes go down and when they don't, then everything's just gloom and doom. And this team has has done that. They have stepped up and finally we saw in game 5, they didn't shoot well from 3 and they dominated the game. We just have not seen that from from this team very much this year, but they've started to become a more resilient team. They led the NBA in most comeback wins from down 10 plus. They've just been a team that doesn't uh, hang their heads. And it's something that Jason Kidd pushed on a lot at the beginning of the season. And we're seeing from this Jazz team that this Jazz team, when they get down, they they go they go down, right? It's like when any kind of adversity happens in a game, it seems like they you know they shrug and are like, well, we're just going to keep trying to do what we're doing. It's not working. So it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, they didn't quite call out 3-2-1 Cancun. Um, <laughs> and you're hoping that they didn't do that at practice today? There's no direct, there's direct flights from Salt Lake City, Utah yeah, to, to Cancun. We're, we're actually at Delta Hub, so we've got, we, we actually have airports. Um, <laughs> listen to Big City Nick over here. Um, so I think the, um, but I do agree with you that, you know, that is, that was, you know, hey, they were, you know, by the time you're down 20, honestly, like, okay, you can fight back. It's, it's for cosmetic purposes for the most part. I don't know. I've seen there's been so many blown leads in the NBA this year, just all over, not even just what? these teams, but like the Mavs have come back, I think, three times from at least 19 or, or 20 down this year. Like leads are not, especially a first half lead is not safe in the NBA well, anymore. No, and there's, and it's, it's as much as we're all like people are like dying on this issue all the time. The fact of the, it's really obvious why, right? There's 50% of the shots, there's threes, there's more yeah, variance when, to it. Like this is not a, this is not a complicated thing. It, it does seem to be a little bit more than most commentators seem to be able to discuss at any point. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I think that there's there's no question that the Jazz have, you know, I, I think this is the Jazz, like, this is the Jazz dragon to slay. Right. right. A five-out offensive team. Like, if somehow the Jazz got through this series, which seems like a daunting task at this point, but if the Jazz got, you know, through this series in some way, or, or if they could have, you know, one game five that that does feel like that would have been them jumping over this kind of hurdle that's been their bugaboo um and so you know if somehow they can get to game seven and get there it's an interesting moment to me if they if they were to jump fi- find a way to miraculously win this series at this point uh you know couldn't they beat phoenix phoenix is pretty darn good but that's actually a way better matchup to them phoenix doesn't have drivers they don't have a lot of isolation players DeAndre Ayton's on the floor for all 40 of the 48 minutes. So Rudy Gobert's on the floor. It's it's actually a way better matchup for the Jazz than Dallas's. What has disappointed you the most about 
this team after that game, you know, three loss, it was all about effort and it was not this team not putting in effort after game five. It was just, you know, the missed shots and the hanging the head. But what has disappointed you the most? So game two, they didn't, I didn't think they played hard. Like, I, I mean, like I've said that comment. Um, I don't mean to be like, I don't need to be like overly like dramatic about it. Um, I've said that, you know, I, I hate to say that cause it sounds brutal, but I've also said that, you know what, if I was, standing next to a jazz player. I think I have enough film. I could show them why I'm saying that. (laughs) Um, The other one that I think is just the reality of who they are, but kind of just bums me out is the difference in the benches. Mm. Jazz bench is sitting there. Mike Conley comes off the bench and there's not even like a dap the other day. Um, And, you know, if you bought paid a thousand dollars to sit in the two rows behind the average bench, you're worse seats in the NBA. Like you're best because you can't see the game. And one of those people standing up is Bobon, and he's like the biggest human. Right, and and Mark Cuban actually has paid for those seats, so now so he's actually standing with in the midst of the players. And then Theo Pinson looks like he bought one of those seats too, and is just wearing regular clothes when <laughs> he decided to move into the front of the bench. Friend so of the pod, Theo the Pinson. Huh? By the way, friend of the pod, Theo Pinson, but also yes. Bobon was had. Teammate of the year stolen from him. Stolen because of ranked voting. They went ranked voting first through fifth place. Boban got the most first place votes by like 15 and didn't get enough second place votes and missed out on teammate of the year. Should have been Boban, but this goes to your bench point. Um, right. So Bo- it's because Boban actually is nice enough to sit most of the time. Uh, By the way, I, 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 the the game in the regular season, it was it was home for the Mavs when Rudy Gobert was getting the, <laughs> getting the most right. into it with Luca, and Luca was trying to draw those fouls on him and get yeah, him. Yeah, what's up with the Rudy hate for a guy you so desperately need on your roster? <laughs> Not true, but the only player Not that Dab- true. You win the title if you have Rudy Gobert. The, the only player after that game in the regular season that like dapped up or even acknowledged Rudy Gobert was Boban, who gave him a full-on hug. I was like, Boban's just the best. He's just the best guy. He is. Like, no, he has think, no enemies. I mean, you know, I've heard that in the bubble, the Mavericks had more fun than any other team. They that's Luka. Great, great chemistry. And so I think there is something to that. Like, And that's who the Jazz were at some point along the way. And, like, I get it. Like, Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside have done stuff in their career. It's not that exciting for them to be sitting on the bench playing 12 minutes a night, like four yeah. zero. Like, I get that that's what happens at this stage in your career. But when you watch the two of them during the game, it, it's – I think Jazz fans have felt this all series. Like, you'd like to be rooting for the team that looks like they're having a great time and the Jazz don't look like they're having a great time playing. Mm. Is it, I mean, we've seen the life cycle of a team. It just, it seems like five years is the life cycle of a team now. It's much shorter for some of these like star driven teams that have stars that come together and leave. But it feels like five years is sort of the life cycle of a team. They come together, they, you know, they are ramping up, they get to their peak, and then all of a sudden you have the years of, <laughs> of drop off unless somebody leaves. But yeah, I don't it feels know. Like I think where what we gets are. super interesting about that is the idea that if that is true, you don't win a title usually until you're 28 or 29 years old. So if that's the way this is going to work, that it's a life cycle of five years with a team, then no one's ever winning a title on their first team. Like if you, I mean, Giannis, Giannis just did it, but he was in his second contract. Right. And he's 28 years, 28 or 29 years old, isn't he? I think like he's, 20, I think he's 27 like, it without Tim Duncan. 
LeBron's 28 Giannis. or 29 years old when he wins it. Giannis is 28 or 29 years old when he wins it. It's true. Uh, and so you, you look at that, and you, you know, Mavs fans that are like, wow, we, we got to get a title before the end of Luka. It just doesn't happen. Like, it just doesn't, right. like, as good as Luka is, it just doesn't happen until, you know, it could be like four or five years from now. But there's a lot I mean, of I think these are, are two pretty good franchises, the Dallas Mavericks and the Utah Jazz. I think if you've been a fan of these two franchises, you've had an awful lot of great stuff. Like, the two of them have combined for four trips to the Western Conference Finals since 2000. You've got two, we've got one? Yeah, two three of them? Yeah, the Mavs had three. Yeah. So you've had three, we've had one since 2000. You can take it back to 97. Like, that's 22 years, two really good franchises, four trips to the Western Conference Finals. The West, like, man. The West has been, has right? been like, brutal. I, mean, it, I think these, I mean, I'm curious to watch, having lived it now, right? We're on the back. I'm, I'm curious to watch Minnesota now. I'm curious to yeah. watch Memphis, Memphis now. I'm curious to watch, like, when does the Ja Morant and Jaron Jackson can't play together? Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns can't play together. I mean, the one thing on Dallas that's nice is Luke is such a dominating force and frankly, is such an incredible usage rate that I don't think a second player is going to actually want to. Like, no second star is going to want to play with Luka as great as he might be because you don't want to. He's got a thirty-five percent usage rate. Like, you're not going to, you're not going to see the ball enough. Well, and now they're. I mean, they're going to resign Brunson, and he's sort of going to be that guy. So now it's find another star that's not just a scorer, right? It's it's find another guy that does. Well, it was Rudy Gobert till your fans alienated him forever. So you think so? You think he's done? He was goading the crowd on. He was like, "Come on, bring it." Yeah, no, take, offend Rudy. He's French. He never forgets. <laughs> You know, a hated player has never gone and joined a team before, right? I, I, I'm old enough to remember the the Matt Barnes, Kobe Bryant. <laughs> you can get you think they can get over these things? I think um, it could work. Yeah, that's all right. Your fan base just getting cocky, feeling good about themselves, and you know, your your perfect piece to the puzzle, hey, alienating. I, we'll keep him. That's fine. I love him. I, I don't know if fans are getting cocky because the Mavs were up three two last year. I mean, this is we're still like still holding on until it happens. I think. So I mean, it's just interesting. I think you know, obviously the Jazz. I always think it's curious. Jeff Van Gundy, everyone's oh, you got to blow it up, and and maybe the Jazz will make dramatic changes. Like <laughs> I, I don't know, like blow it up for what? Like does Jeff Van Gundy I, want everybody to blow it up so he can go no, coach Van the team? Van Gundy's <laughs> point was like, what are you blowing it up for? Oh yeah, like he's like what, like you know, like like blow it up for what? Like to get what? To do what? Like there's no one ever has that. Like it's this like oh, let's blow it up. You got to blow it up. Like really? How about reform? Like maybe remodel. Like we'll like make, but like blow it up. Hmm. Cause there's, there's a lot of places to be in this league and you take two France. My point is you take franchises that are as good as Dallas and Utah. And you look at how rarely they've gotten to the second round and how super rarely they've gotten to the conference finals. Like there's not a path that gets you back to where you are right now. Well, the thunder are trying that right now. They went from Paul George and Westbrook to, I mean, just nothing. <laughs> Tell me when that's ever worked. The, well, no, I mean, you can, you can and try. Here's the other part of it. Here's the other part of it. That's tell me the last two times or tell me the last time that two young stars have risen together in the league. Should have used this priest or have risen together in the, in the league <laughs> and not had chemistry problems. Oh yeah, you start looking at some of them. It's like it's Westbrook and Durant. It's Harden and everyone. It's LeBron and well, I guess I guess Kyrie maybe. It's like 
It's it's almost as if if you start trying to force guys together, right? Like no. Houston and Oklahoma City are doing this thing where they're gonna have a million oh, it's, draft picks. Well, it's the Warriors guys, young players all together, and they're gonna rise up together. Except for the fact in this league, like there is, I don't want to say who, it's, but there's a player in this league who demanded to be traded because another player on their team got their bobblehead doll first. <laughs> well, the answers are are Warriors. Um, Bucks with Middleton and, and Giannis, if you want to count Middleton as a star. And then uh I guess Jokic and Murray. Now, let's see if Jokic let's see. Like right, Jokic and Murray who have won a playoff series or two? Two. They made a conference finals, right? Uh I thought they lost to get in that conference finals, but maybe not. Did they make the conference finals that year? Mm. It's almost Oh, they beat that. the clip they in the bubble, they made the conference finals, lost to the Lakers. Because the Clippers self destructed. So if you count so if you count the bubble. <laughs> Yeah, the bubble, the bubble can count except for the fact the Lakers did well. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know. Um, no, but I mean, I think it's like, yeah, so let's see. Jamal Murray and Jokic might be able to pull it off. Yep. Um, but you go back, Kobe, Shaq, right? Kobe, yep. Penny, Shaq. Like, it doesn't – like, Middleton, Giannis is an interesting one. I, I guess they rose up together, but it was pretty clear definition of who was one, right? There wasn't a lot yeah. of question mark on who was one in that group. So it's interesting. Like, it's a very – when you see Houston and Oklahoma City and all these people compile all their draft picks and we're going to blow it up, we're going to get all these picks, and we're going to build it back up. Like, that script does not yield stuff very well. Joel Embiid and Ben Sixers, Simmons did not say, work out yeah. very well together. Right? No. I mean, Luca and Porzingis. That was the one that they tried to put together, and that one we, – Mavs just went right. through that. It was a little bit of a fight of who won was, right? Well, there was shouldn't not, have been, but there was. I, was saying, I don't know how much of a fight it was, but right, there was one some, of the players was good and one of the players isn't. It's yeah. like, wow, how the Mavericks get better? They traded for two good players for one bad player and they got better. Like, oh, funny how that <laughs> works. Right. Okay. There you go. I'm off my soapbox. There it is. That's lo- that's the, the last crossover. I I mean, even if the series ends in six or seven, this is the last crossover we'll do. Yeah, yeah, because we're not doing one because Friday we're recapping, right? Yep. And then, and then it's Saturday over, so. we're playing game seven. So whether you have, <laughs> I would enjoy, personally, I would enjoy going to a game seven, but, but uh, professionally, I would not, <laughs> rather just get done at six. Uh, Calling a game seven would be great. I called game seven mm. uh, jazz Clippers. And it was pretty great. I called game seven in the bubble. It doesn't have the same feel because I wasn't in the bubble, but oh, yeah. I called game seven of jazz Clippers um, first round uh, and the jazz the Clippers and you knew the jazz were going to be the Clippers when Austin rivers waved off Chris Paul in that game, <laughs> and you knew that they had chemistry problems that were going to be deep and thorough. Oh, Austin rivers. There it is. Whether you have enjoyed these crossovers or not, this has been logged on maps. Yeah, Isaac jazz. Harris really cheap. You to duck out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. When things are going well, he, he leaves and goes on a, a, a forced vacation. Thanks for making us your first or Go second. Enjoy your of the nice day. city, Isaac. Make your second listen, Locked on NBA tonight. Tony East, Pat the Designer, taking over for you. Have great stuff for you every single day, Monday through Friday, 30 minutes, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Mavs Jazz. Peace out. Boom.